a lot of women underestimate their skill set or don't think of themselves as investors. We need women in these roles making these decisions because it's making decisions about what the businesses of the future are going to be and what they're going to look like. And that's an incredibly important place to have diverse opinions and diverse thought. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Beyond Bites. Today, I am here with our new podcast recruit, Felicity, and also Hannah Morney, who is an investment analyst at Giant Leap. Thank you so much, Hannah, for coming on the podcast and taking the time of your day to speak to us. Um, I'll provide a brief introduction of Hannah. So Hannah is, she studied biomedical engineering and arts with a German major while she was at uni. And she was also the president of the Sydney University's Women in Engineering Club. And after uni, she went into consulting for a few years and she ended up in uh, VC. And she is also in the top 5% listeners of Taylor Swift, which is an incredible accomplishment. Uh, for those who are listening that aren't too familiar with the term VC, I'll provide a very brief introduction. So Venture capital or VC is a type of private equity financing that provides um, startups or early stage companies with the funding to uh, grow in a rapid way. And it involves investing money in these companies in exchange for an ownership stake or equity in the company. And typically VCs are looking for high risk, high reward investments. And as such, they might be expecting substantial return on their investment if the startup is successful. And in addition to providing that funding, VCs may also provide that strategic guidance to startups, the industry expertise that they might have, and also networking opportunities to help those startups succeed. And Hannah is currently at Giant Leap, and Giant Leap is unique in terms of it is Australia's first venture capital fund that is 100% dedicated to investing in impact startups. And it was actually launched in 2016, which is relatively recent, by the Impact Investment Group. So Hannah, I'll pass it over to you to give a brief introduction of yourself as well. Thanks, Tushan. That was a great introduction. I think um, it covered a lot about me, but I'll, I'll go back to the start. So I, um, I always thought I wanted to be an engineer. I grew up playing with Lego, um, also building houses on The Sims. So really just loved building things. And, and that led me um, to studying engineering at university. But I also was very fortunate enough in high school to uh, go to school in Germany at a boarding school for two years. And that kind of, I guess, broadened me slightly away from just uh, just engineering and so when I came back I decided I didn't just want to do engineering I also wanted to do arts and that's the reason for the quite random German major at the same time um, with engineering I thought I wanted to be a civil engineer I loved building structures but when I got there I was really kind of unenthused by the idea of studying soil for two to three years so it shifted me a little bit more towards biomedical engineering which is where I ended up and I think that was primarily driven by a, a real desire to want to help people and, and I guess save lives in whatever capacity I could. Also, it sounds really cool and you get to work with really awesome medical devices. So I had this kind of, I guess, two competing degrees, got told a lot that it was quite random, but I think it um, shows you how I've got quite a, an interest in a broad range of things. I, I studied kind of economics for the first time as part of my engineering degree and that was, sorry, my arts degree, and that was way outside of 
things that I'd done before. It just hadn't been an area of interest. And I think I really used that time at university to kind of explore a lot of different things, did a few different internships in a lot of different places. Um, one which was in BC, which was very um, fortunate at the time, but also in research projects or kind of normal corporates and a consulting internship in order to really figure out where I wanted to land. Ultimately, where I did land was in consulting and I think it was a really great way to start off my career unfortunately it also happened to be 2020 so I spent about three weeks in an office and then the rest of the year at home working from my living room table which is probably not what you expect when you sign up for consulting um, but I definitely learned a super broad range of skills way more about how businesses function and the strategy that goes into that uh, and that's been really helpful with my transition into VC, which was more of a timing thing than anything else. I, I think I wanted something that had a little bit more of a direct impact and a direct purpose. And was really lucky that Giant Leap kind of appeared at that time and saw some really strong values alignment, went for it and was fortunate enough to kind of land here. And now I've been in this role for uh, almost a year and three months. So starting to figure out what I'm doing and, and yeah, really excited to um, continue to kind of grow with the team. Awesome. Um, so in specifically, you said that your honours year thesis was more focused on biomedical engineering and the design of two paediatric orthopedic implants. Can you tell us a little bit more about like why you chose this specific idea and like what made you decide to specifically focus on it for a whole year? Yeah, so how I ended up there was I actually did this summer research project out at Westmead Children's Hospital. There's a lab there called the Epic Lab. Uh, it's run by some really awesome people, Dr. Tegan Cheng and Dr. David Little, and they took me on as a summer research kind of assistant, and that's where I first got to play around with all the amazing kind of 3D printers and, and CAD design software that they have out there and did a bit of a short research project, enjoyed my time so much that I applied to essentially do my honours thesis there. I actually did my honours thesis over six months. There was an option with engineering where instead of doing it, you, sorry, you have to do an engineering an honours thesis when you study engineering. Uh, I chose to do mine in a six months period, just that, and I think maybe one other subject. And then I kind of front loaded the other subjects at the first half of the year, which essentially meant that I could spend more time focusing directly on my honours thesis and spend a lot of time hanging out at the lab at Westmead. That was really awesome. It was great. I got to um, obviously do the, the work on the two paediatric um, orthopedic devices. One was a kind of extendable nail for um, femur fractures. So the whole theory here is that the problem, the problem with working with children is that they're quite small and they grow. And so a lot of the kind of existing medical devices that are on the market don't work in a kid context because um, they're either too big or they're, they're going to essentially cause growth issues if you're putting, a, like imagine putting a metal bar over something that's trying to grow it, you're going to stop it from growing. So rods that can extend um, in the leg of a child while it grows or the opposite to that was the other device that I was working on which was a small plate that would help with rotational deformities of the knee and essentially this is almost trying to use that that growth to correct a deformity over time by restricting it in the right way so that it can push the like reduce the deformity um, over time so really interesting work there and, and I really did love it I think I just got to the point where I was like either I'm spending my life in research and I'm going to have to take on a PhD in order to get to hang out in the lab in the long term and it, it didn't feel like the right thing for me at the time and that's kind of what got me looking 
towards consulting instead of continuing it on there. But fundamentally, I loved what I was doing there and it was an awesome team. Awesome. That sounds like, like so much to jam pack within six months. It sounds really interesting and super intensive. Also, you mentioned that you did quite a lot of internships. Can you tell us more about how that came about and why you wanted to try different things and how you eventually ended up in VC? For sure. I think uh, with a lot of these, I got quite lucky, but I also kind of never said no to different opportunities. I think I get confused on the timeline, but I think the VC internship was one of the first ones that I did. And that was really fortunate. And it was through um, my work with the the Women in Engineering Society. At the time, Blackbird, Reinventure and Main Sequence, who had literally just formed, um, it was like the first week of operations for Main Sequence, they got together and they decided that they were going to offer a three-week three week internship for women in BC. And they put it out to a bunch of student societies. They had three positions. Um, and when I saw the opportunity, I shared it with the the broader community but I also thought it was too good to give up so I applied myself and was really lucky that I got to work um, essentially it was just shadowing for three weeks one week at each of the different funds but got some incredible exposure I literally did not know what VC was when it came across my doorstep but it sounded really interesting and I met some great people that are still around in the industry like Sam Wong at Blackbird um, and yeah I think I learned a lot, but I also learned that there aren't really clear pathways into VC. I learned that consulting is a common one, but it's not necessarily always a, a guaranteed pathway in. Um, but I, what my key takeaway from that was this is a really cool space, but I don't really see how I'm going to end up here. And now I find it quite funny because clearly I have ended up back here. And if that seed hadn't, wasn't planted really early, it probably wouldn't have happened. Um, in terms of other internships that I've done, I found late night scrolling on YouTube, this uh, program called CEO for one month, which is run by an organization called the ADECO Group, which is one of the world's biggest uh, recruitment agencies. And the program is just almost a bit ridiculous. You get to spend a month shadowing the CEO of the, um, the ADECO Group Australia, which like attending all their meetings, going to all sorts of events and, and kind of traveling around Australia. I got to fly to Perth. It was really exciting, but ultimately um, it's a global program and they do this in all of the um, 40 to 60 countries that they're in where they choose a CEO for one month for each country. And then they pick a top 10 and they send them all to somewhere typically in Europe and make them compete in order to become the global CEO for one month. And that person gets to then again shadow the global CEO for a month. So the whole thing sounded quite incredible, but also a bit ridiculous. And I never thought that I would get it, but I ended up just applying to see if it would happen. And for some, well, somehow it did. And I got a really awesome niche introduction into the world of recruitment, which is something that I never expected studying engineering and art. So it just kind of shows you, you never really know like what, you're going to stumble into if you apply and, and you keep an eye out and yeah just apply for things even if you don't think you're going to get them because it could end up somewhere great or unexpected yeah wow it's so cool how your educational background is like not the typical commerce going into management consulting but biomedical engineering and also arts but also you tried so many different things in uni as well that's not related solely to your degree I think that's really cool I guess, do you think your educational background in kind of the biomed 
engineering area helped you in venture capital and what's like an area that you specialize in or research more into when you're a VC at Giant Leap? Yeah, I think it's really interesting. And and again, one of the reasons why I ended up going into management consulting and not staying in research is because there's a huge problem in the commercialization of medical research in Australia. There's really just not enough people funding. Um, The timelines are kind of too long and there's a lot of risk involved. You don't know if devices are going to get approved. The the devices that I worked on, I think, are still kind of sitting in that research stage. I don't know if they'll ever actually make it into a place where they can help people. So there's a huge gap there and I didn't quite see how it was going to be filled. Now that I'm back in BC, it's really interesting because I clearly have an interest in the healthcare space and I think I get a lot of joy working with um, medtech startups and, and diving more deeply into that area. We have three broad themes at Giant Leap, sustainability, health and well-being, and empowering people. And so I definitely think I have a closer link to healthcare than maybe the other two, but I still have really strong links there and we're pretty much generalists at this stage. So I'm I'm not over-indexing on anything in particular, but yeah, definitely a, an interest. Do you think your time from biomedical engineering consulting have like a lot of transferable skills that you've applied to VC? For sure. And sometimes in the most random ways, I think with engineering, it kind of goes back to being a problem solver or being a builder. I think one of the areas in which I can bring a lot of skills into this role is like, I enjoy working with numbers. I enjoy spreadsheets and I enjoy building systems and processes. And I think I have a really process thinking brain. And when you're working in BC, you're often working in really small teams that don't necessarily have Um, the capacity to, you know, have somebody training you or to essentially have people with the same skill set because you want to maximise what you can do with a small amount of people. So really what you're looking for is somebody that has a unique skill set or a unique point of view that can really add to the team rather than just kind of creating groupthink with too many people that are the same. So I think the engineering side definitely leans into that process thinking uh, aspect and then the consulting was probably all the business skills that I didn't learn in my degree that I needed in order to understand how businesses work and I guess strategy, market sizing, um, building financial models, all important things to be aware of or or have a kind of a view on. Um, I wouldn't say that you need them to get into VC, but I would say that they do help. I don't like discouraging anybody that's got an interest in the space from applying because I don't think you, I think you can learn a lot on the go. And you definitely don't need to do consulting in order to learn the skills to succeed. So I think keeping an open mind is really important. Yeah, for sure. I've heard that VC is kind of like investment banking for for startups. How true do you reckon that is? Yeah, I mean, it's just really early stage and where investment bankers are relying on, you know, they have all the numbers, they have all the certainty around how the business has been going and they can relatively accurately predict what's going to happen in the future and they can assess market forces you're kind of doing that but you're doing that with no data and it's primarily focused on the founders and how they're approaching their business and you might have a little indication of how successful the business has been to date but it's like we've got our first five customers rather than we've been making millions of dollars of revenue for years now so it's just a very different kind of basis on which you're making these investment decisions and as you said like a lot riskier and um, a lot a lot at stake yeah definitely I think that kind of leads on to the question of 
what does it look like in a day in a life of a VC? In particular, I'm really intrigued with the financial modeling aspect. When you have so much uncertainty, how would you actually like value the company? Because obviously you can't use the traditional valuation methods. How would you actually go about like knowing the actual value of a startup? For sure. I think the sort of two questions there, day in a life is very varied. <laughs> um, I review essentially 30 to 40 pitch decks a week along with my um, my colleague Katarina, who is based in Melbourne. We kind of tag team on this now in terms of doing the review because there's there's so many that come through each week. And then from that, we're making decisions about companies that we want to meet and we want to learn a bit more about. So we're hosting these meetings with founders. There might be a deal that we've got on the go where we're doing additional research or we're um, diving into their data rooms to understand or looking at their financials and the information that they can share with us. We might be writing an investment paper to take to our um, our board, which is our investment committee. So the three partners on the fund who make all the decisions uh, there's always a lot of networking. There's a lot of maintaining and building connections with other VCs in the industry so that we can be helpful to the startups that we do invest in um, because you're always looking for the next round of investment and also looking to have a view over all the, the best deals, I guess, in the market. And then maybe there's a networking event or some sort of industry activity in the evening. So pretty pretty busy, pretty varied. There's also a lot of, I guess, being a small team and keeping the business running, so internal operations work that goes into it as well so you're almost like a startup investing into startups when you're at a VC that's my size so like we are six people on my fund so it is a very small team I think um the second part of the question was around valuations I think it's really different to at different stages and really a lot of the questions that we're asking is a kind of how how much money do you need for what sort of time frame in order to get XYZ results in order to raise the next amount of money. So if that's like a million dollars to last 12 to 18 months, most VCs are asking for 18 months of runway at this point in time. So it's kind of how much you want to raise and how much of a company are you willing to give up at this stage? And you almost use that to back calculate what the valuation of the company is. And it's really kind of, uh, arbitrary and based more around these other factors of, of timing and, and the, the amount of money that you need and ownership of the business that you use to calculate. How much of those calculations are accurate and how many of your investments like roughly pay off or are successful? So the calculations being accurate is, uh, it's almost not um, yeah. yeah, like they're never accurate because you never really know. Um, in terms of what the payoff is, as you said, Giant Leap was founded in 2016. So the first fund that we raised um, has been fully deployed now, but this, we're still um, well in kind of the 10-year return timeframe. So we haven't had a lot of exits yet. And I think it really goes back to kind of the fundamentals of VC. What you're essentially doing is raising a fund to invest in usually 20 to 25 companies with the expectation that most will fail. Maybe three, two or three will give you kind of what you put in or a bit more than what you put in back. And one company will have outsized returns and return the whole fund and with more. Um, and that's how you kind of look for or that that's kind of the return profile that you're looking for or that you're expecting so a lot of failure along the way um 
it's too early for us to know the results of the fund at this stage or the first fund, um, but it's looking pretty positive and we've got a lot, um, yeah, a lot of positive expectations and, and we really believe that impact companies outperform in the long run and, and we're hoping to convince more people that they should be investing into impact startups. Given that Giant Leap is so young and you're so like different to all your competitors because you have like a broader impact focus and you're more business model agnostic, um, how does this impact like your decision making? Stepping back up to like Giant Leap and, and the theory behind the fund. So as you said, 100% impact focused VC fund. What that means for us is broadly, we've got the three themes that I mentioned. So sustainable living, health and wellbeing and empowering people. But specifically what we're looking for are startups where we can say for every dollar of revenue generated, there's X amount of impact outcome associated with that. So we want it to be like a, a quantifiable unit of impact, whether it's CO2 reduction or improved healthcare outcomes. It really depends on the type of business, but we're really looking for um, that tangible and direct link. The best example I like to give of this from our portfolio is a company called GoTerra. So they divert food waste from landfill uh, and use black soldier flies to convert it into something that's essentially not food going to the landfill and can be used for fertilizer or other applications. And for them, we know exactly like there is a, a, a unique ratio between the revenue that they're generating and the amount of waste that they're diverting. And that has a direct tangible impact outcome. And so we're looking for businesses that have that, but then also have the return profile that a VC is looking for. So those are things that you'll hear from any VC. So like an, a business that can grow to 10 times its current size, a really compelling market opportunity, a really tricky problem, uh, a solution that essentially makes sense or has traction that um, suggests that it's likely to be successful in the long run. And so we're balancing both. Um, actually, we're not really balancing them. We're, we're not compromising on both. We need it to have VC scale returns and we also need it to be impact by our definition. So that's pretty much what we're looking for. Yeah. And do you see Giant Leap venturing towards another niche of startups in the future or would you like to see them enter another niche? It's a really interesting question. I think currently the, the three areas are pretty core, like sustainability, climate crisis, it's really top of mind and it's probably an area where we need to be directing the most capital as we do think there's a huge role that startups can play in solving these critical issues that we're facing at this time. I think my personal area of interest goes back to my work at Westmead and, and wanting to be able to commercialise really important medical devices that could save lives. And maybe there's a pathway there in the future, but it might not be um, where I think I'd have to dedicate a lot of time in order to get comfortable with the risk associated in order to convince the Giant Lake partners that it is an area that they need to be investing. And it might, it might not ever be kind of a VC uh, scalable like opportunity but I do think it's really important and so we'll see. Awesome um, so outside of your work at Giant Leap so you mentioned that during your time at uni you were the president of the Sydney University Women in Engineering Club does your experience in that have anything to do with like your work outside such as co-founding VC Women Down Under? Yeah I was have always been super passionate about essentially helping women to succeed in the workforce. I think it played into my time at university. I thought it was really important that we had a really well-functioning women in engineering society that 
created a lot of value for students. I think a lot of people underestimate the challenges that they're going to face in the workforce. Unfortunately, engineering is still incredibly male dominated and you still come up with a lot of, against a lot of prejudice, but it's even the fact that like I did five years of engineering and had maybe one woman lecturer during my time. So you, you don't, you might not clock it all the time, but if you're thinking about it, there is really low representation and, and still kind of things that we want to fix in the long run. And I think that's why I felt it was so important to have that role um, at the Sydney University Women in Engineering Society. I think it, um, yeah, it was really great. And I was able to kind of help a lot of people. I implemented a mentoring program with the faculty to try and get more of that kind of industry representation and connections, which I yeah, I think ended up quite valuable to a lot of people and, and gave them a lot of opportunities to learn more about what to expect in the workforce. And in terms of whether it contributed to VC Women Down Under, probably. I think I, maybe it's just in terms of requisite experience, VC Women Down Under was has been a collaborative effort with Steph and Britt, who both work at a VC fund called Folklore, and they're two incredible women. And Brit, essentially, I reached out to her in the first week I was working in BC because she came from a similar background to me. She was previously working in consulting and she was starting as an analyst at a VC fund. And I said, hey, we're doing the same thing. Do you want to hang out? Um, and that led to a, a good friendship and we catch up a lot. And after a while, she, I think, came to me with the idea saying, hey, there's a lot of new young women in BC roles. Do you think we should start a community? Do you think we should make it? easier to connect and, and kind of collaborate in these spaces. And I said, yeah, I think that's a brilliant idea. Let's make it happen. And so we're kind of using, I guess, the skills that I might've learned at SUI, but applying it to a very different context and, and really trying to pave the way because ultimately we want there to be more representation in investment roles. I think a lot of women underestimate their skill set or don't think of themselves as investors. I never thought I would be an investor and yet here I am. And so I'm <laughs> want to tell more people that you can't um, count yourself out of these positions. We need women in these roles making these decisions because it's making decisions about what the businesses of the future are going to be and what they're going to look like. And that's an incredibly important place to have diverse opinions and diverse thought. Yeah, for sure. I think just surrounding these kind of, whether it's corporate or the startup landscape, women are so underrepresented. And just wondering about your experience and how has that been being a woman in VC and whether you've faced any difficulties being a woman in a venture capital space? I'm really fortunate. I think one of the reasons why Giant Leap stood out to me is that when they were hiring for my role, they were really explicit about how they essentially weren't going to review applications until they received at least um, 20 applications from women. And okay. it was something that was so, like, a very simple Thing to say and to kind of follow through on but it to me signaled that they really care about diversity equity and inclusion as an issue and that aligns strongly with my values and that is one of the core reasons why I applied and I think because of that I'm working with a partnership that really cares deeply about the challenges that women face that they care passionately about supporting me and now Katarina who's also recently joined the fund to succeed in the long run and we kind of put those values into actions by releasing things like our diversity, equity and inclusion policy publicly, which has targets for internal team diversity and diversity in terms of the investments that we're making, which is 
pretty um, groundbreaking in the space. Not a lot of VC funds like to talk about it, but we think it's so important and we think people should be doing more. So I think purely because of the fund that I'm at, I have had the fortunate experience to not face a lot of discrimination or to date, and I think that's great, but I'm also know that there's a lot more to do. I think there's a lot of challenges that women have at different funds because they are typically small businesses. You might be the only woman. And if you're the only woman and there is no parental leave policy in place because nobody's needed one before, you get like a lot of burden placed on you as like the person that has to figure out what it should look like and ask for it. And it creates all these workplace tensions. And so I think there's a lot of stuff that needs to be done and by releasing our policy we've released what we do for parental leave and that should hopefully give other people a starting place at different funds for what they can what they could implement at their fund or suggestions or things to go with and we're trying to replicate that also at bc women down under by doing pay surveys and kind of you know information is power information is important and and sharing that so that people can feel more empowered to have these tricky discussions around pay and everything else that comes with it. So I think there's a lot of collaboration that goes into making sure that the barriers are slowly broken down. But yeah, I've been very fortunate with the the team that I'm working with. I think they're amazing. How big is the women in VC kind of community? Yeah, I think we've got about 250 women in our Slack community and it is covering both operations and investment roles. But there's a lot of people that have said how uh, amazed they are that there's that number. So I think it's great that we've been able to get quite a lot in the group. And um, I think there's still more out there. So we're trying to trying to reach more corners of the, the world and maybe not the world of Australia in particular and continue to grow it and continue to add value. But we're also, like Steph, Britt and I are, are quite busy. So we're just doing the best that we can with the resources and spare time that we've got available. I think that's super impressive given um, how long you've been in the VC space. And I definitely think that a lot of women out here and a lot of up and coming students will definitely appreciate that. Um, Just to like start wrapping up, given that VC is a relatively difficult industry to break into that has like no clear pathways as seen by your own, what advice would you give to university students that are interested in the VC sphere? Focus on following your interests in an authentic way, do the things that excite you, take the random opportunities as they come and kind of use that to build conviction around like who you are as a person, what you care about and where you want to essentially add value and create impact. And maybe that is ultimately in a VC role, but in order to land that role, you're probably going to need some skills, whether it's marketing, whether it's consulting, whether it's engineering or working for a startup. Um, you need some sort of base level experience so that you can empathize with founders and you can help support them, but also support the VC team and really add value there. So I think the only way that you can build those skills is by kind of backing yourself to follow your interests. And that's probably where I'd start. Play the long game as well. Awesome. Sounds so good. Um, Last question from me. If you could speak to your past self whilst they were in uni, would you tell them to do anything differently or do more of? I think do (laughs) stress less about greens, do more of random activities. Um, I think, you know, university is really overwhelming. Like it can feel like there's no time, but it's probably the the experiences outside of the classroom that are really going to 
uh, add value to the story that you're telling potential employers and also help teach you more about who you are as a person and, and where you want to end up. So I wouldn't discount that in order to kind of, like, I think the value of external experience is probably worth maybe two, like two to five grade points. So making that trade off and, and not letting, um, yeah, exams get to you too much. Yeah, definitely agree in that aspect. I feel like there's just so many things going on all at once. It's hard to pinpoint exactly what you need to focus on and prioritize certain stuff as well. Um, I think that wraps up our episode for today. Thank you so much, Hannah, for coming on. We really, really enjoyed talking to you about yourself, your educational background, your experiences in VC. Um, you've made VC. I think you've sold it very well as like a career. It just sounds so interesting. It's got the maths aspect. It's got the networking aspect. It's got um, working with startups. So that exciting um, startup sphere uh, landscape as well. Uh, but thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We really, really loved all your advice and expertise within the industry as well. So thank you. No, thanks so much for having me. It was great to meet you both. And yeah, good luck with the rest of the uni year. Amazing. And thank you guys for listening as well. And we will see you next week. <laughs>